Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Porter, and we have another very special episode as today I am sitting down with my good friend Logan. If you'll remember, a few episodes ago, I shared that I had a trans friend. Well, that friend is Logan, and Logan has very kindly agreed to sit down with me and share his story and his perspective on Christianity. So if you are a Christian, I encourage you to listen with an open mind to Logan's story. Because not only does Logan share his thoughts on being trans, but he also shares his thoughts on the Christian community and what you may learn from Logan might surprise you because Logan does not ascribe to the Christian faith um, and he has had many experiences in his life that have led him to view Christianity in less than a favorable way and he shares some of those stories in today's episode but he also shares a lot of respect and a lot of kindness for the Christian faith, which I think is unique to see with someone who doesn't believe in God. I think we see in the media that a lot of people who don't believe in God think that Christians are, you know, bigots or homophobic or racist or narrow-minded or what have you. And we know that that's not the case, right? We know that as Christians, we can be loving and kind and compassionate. And sure, while there are some Christians who fall into those buckets of maybe being narrow-minded or homophobic or whatever, we know that's not every Christian, right? And so Logan approaches Christianity with, yes, a critical lens, but again, also a lot of kindness and respect, which I find refreshing. And ultimately, we end up talking about what makes us human, which I think is a really important conversation. I think in today's age where people are so divided and things are so divisive, we can kind of forget that we're all human. So yeah, we talk about a lot of good things in this episode. Um, Fair warning, it is going to be a longer one, about an hour. So grab a drink, grab a snack. (laughs) And we actually talked for so long that I split this episode into two parts. So today you'll hear part one, and next week you will hear part two. So just a heads up, that is why this episode ends a little bit abruptly. All right, now before we jump in, I want to remind you where you can get in touch with me. You can follow me on Instagram at lonewolvesclub.pod. That's a great place to send me any DMs with feedback on episodes, with ideas for future episodes. Um, And you can also email me at lonewolvesclubpod at gmail.com. I think I've been giving you guys the wrong email. So if you have tried to email me before, um, you can email me at the correct email, which is lonewolvesclubpod at gmail.com. All right, now let's get into today's episode. All right, y'all. So today we have another very special episode because I have my friend Logan joining me today. I shared Logan and I's story a few episodes ago, 
And I wanted to sit down with Logan today and have him kind of share his experience because I think it would be a good counterpart to last week's episode. So if you missed that episode, I sat down with my friends Tommy and Tyler and Elena and we talked about what it is to be gay but to also believe in God. Tommy and Tyler opened up and shared their experiences with coming out but still being a part of the church. And we talked about how Christians can better love members of the LGBTQ community, especially our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But today I want to share kind of the counterpoint to that. And I really wanted Logan to share his story because while Logan is also a part of the LGBTQ plus community, Logan is not a part of the church, but Logan and I are great friends shocker. <laughs> you can be friends with someone who has a different worldview than you. You can be friends with someone who isn't a part of the church, even if you're a part of the church. And so I think Logan has a really interesting story to tell and a lot of interesting points to bring up about how Christians can also respond in love to people who don't share their faith and who are, again, just on a different journey than they are. So I'm going to kick it over to Logan, who wanted to kind of set up the stage with sharing his background and his story and and growing up. So, Logan, if you want to share your story. Yeah. So, I've known you for seven years now, and even though we're close, I am anxious about this conversation. Mm-hmm. Alec could not sleep last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stayed up to like three. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I was still able to work. Um, But I can't tell my story without speaking on some very difficult and very personal things, and I also don't want to hurt your feelings with my views on Christianity. That said, I do want to have this conversation and have it shared on your podcast. So let me start at my beginning. Um, Not because my childhood caused me to be trans, but because it will give some perspective on how I feel about being trans. Mm. And also just about how I feel about the church and Christianity and whatnot. So I was born in 1988. Um, My father is diagnosed with, um, well, he's sociopathic and narcissistic. Mm. And I don't just say that, like, he actually carries that diagnosis. My mom is also very mentally ill and extremely religious um, Christian. And she was also abused as a child. And neither parent really had the emotional capacity to form healthy relationships. And both of them ended up abusing my sister and I. I mean, I've been locked in a closet, duct tape pinned down. I've been blamed for my parents' divorce, forcibly medicated. Like, some of my worst memories are of when I'd have, like, meltdowns from anxiety And my parents would deal with it by physically throwing me away from them, taking the family into the parents' bedroom and shedding off electricity to the rest of the house. So not only was I treated like this wild animal, but like one that didn't even deserve something as basic as light. Mm. I was literally left scratching at the door in the dark and wishing someone loved me enough to make things better. Mm. I spent most of my life being dehumanized, um, that just being one example, and with my autonomy either being forcibly taken from me or with it being under threat. You know, if I couldn't control my anxiety as a kid, I was treated like it was my fault. Everything was treated as if it was my fault. And when I stopped believing in God when I was like, I don't know, seven? So pretty early. um, Christianity was just another weapon used against me. Mm. If I didn't believe in God, I was going to hell. If I wasn't straight, I was going to hell. My mother was so concerned that I'd go to hell in my death, but couldn't care much for me in my life. Mm. And even though I'm now estranged from my family, except for my sister, who's awesome, um, my autonomy as a trans person is still under threat. 
and the loudest voices against me and kids like me are those of Christians. I've had numerous judgmental, insulting, and condescending experiences with Christians before I came out, and it's only amplified now. Someone saying they're Christian reads to me like a red flag. It feels very threatening, and it makes me nervous, and it makes me scared, and it makes me not really want to speak or be around that person because I'm worried they're going to hurt me. Mm. It's like kind of what it comes down to is like, why do you, why should I worry about going to hell when Christians are already burning me? Mm. So that's where I was starting from. And like, obviously I'm having this conversation because I'm friends with Nicole and because I'm trans, um, trans being short for transgender. If you're very new to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I see being trans as being a gift. Um, as a person who's felt like an animal in the house of humans, being transhumanizes me. Like I am what I am and I am a transmasculine non-binary human. And I'll explain a little bit more about what that means later. Um, as a person who's had autonomy ripped away from them, trans transitioning gave me the gift of physically and socially becoming myself. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for every hormone shot I take. I adore my top surgery scars. I get to experience the joy of watching my body change over time and knowing these changes are a result of my choices my actions, and ultimately of my autonomy. When I came out to my mom, it was it was a process. I made sure I moved out. I had a support network. I separated all my bills from her. I wrote a letter, and I went camping and turned my phone off because I knew she would explode at me. Mm. And sure enough, once I got back and she recovered from her massive meltdown that my sister had to drive in from like hours away to basically to crisis management with her, she would just took it terribly. When I told her, you know, a very limited overview of the steps I'd be taking into transition, she told me not to tell her any more of such disgusting things. She said, if I'm really trans, she must have made a mistake in having me. I wasn't expecting a whole lot different, but it still hurts. Right. Like, this isn't the only Christian viewpoint I've heard. I mean, Nicole's my best friend. <laughs> but that's one out of, you know, a hundred people who've burned me. And that's not a high percentage of success there. I was actually, but um, I had, there is one experience I had with another very religious person that I do hold very close to me. Um, I was speaking with my sister's boyfriend's mother last Christmas, a uh, couple points of relation there. And she said something that I will always hold close. She told me that God doesn't make mistakes. She said that I was born exactly how I was supposed to be born and that I've become exactly who I was supposed to become. And that's the type of Christianity that I feel welcomed by. Mm. I'm never going to be Christian, but I want to be in a place where I feel safe around Christians. Mm. But again, like I don't really expect or need to be welcomed. I just need to be respected as a fellow human and to have the right to make my own decisions about my body and my life. I know a lot of the hate stems from a lack of understanding, and I hope this episode helps combat a little bit of that. And when I speak of hate, I'm referring to any and all negative actions and thoughts against me and those like me. Even if it isn't intended or viewed as hate by the person doing it, that's how we experience it. Mm -hmm. And pairing that with Christianity, it's like, to me, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's Christianity and hate. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really hard to separate the two. Yeah, it, it's hard to separate it because that's just, I hear someone's Christian, I'm like, oh, like, shit, don't come out to them. Mm. Um, but yeah earlier I said that I identify as I shouldn't say that identify as is actually a microaggression 
that I'm which we'll talk more about later. <laughs> I'm also making mistakes, you know, we're all learning. But yeah, we're all learning. Um but yeah, I am non-binary. That literally just means I am not a binary gender, binary genders being male or female. Um I am transgender, meaning that which to me means um, that I transitioned. I medically transitioned both with surgeries and with, well, one surgery and with uh, hormones. Um, and I'm comfortable speaking about that with Nicole because we've known each other for seven years and she's been with me consistently throughout all of these changes. Typically, that's not an appropriate question to ask. And I have literally been asked like, hey, do you have a penis? <laughs> and I'm like, would you ask someone else what's in their pants? Right, like, exactly kind of uncomfortable especially when it's in public i mean i've been forcibly outed by doctors i've been insulted by doctors i've been laughed at by doctors mm. it's like i'm scared of going to the doctor but as far as what transgender is um transgender is just anybody who's not the gender they were assigned at birth um there's also intersex which is different that's when a doctor says this baby has been born with genitalia that doesn't look exactly like male or female, but that's a whole nother topic. I'm not intersex. I don't know much about it. Um, transgender is an umbrella term. Non-binary can be under that or non-binary can be its own umbrella. There's hundreds of identities you can have. Um, I typically just say I'm non-binary because I'm not male or female and that's easier for people to understand. Um, like between me and my therapist is really the only person that I've gotten like into the nitty gritty of it with. I am a gender, which just means without gender. I don't like gender just means nothing to me personally. Gender expression is something else. That is what you appear as to the outside world. Mm. Um, so when I say I'm transmasculine, I transition to become more physically and socially masculine. But my pronouns are still they as well as he. Um, I mean, there's things I'd like to wear sometimes, but I live in Texas and I wouldn't, mm. I like, I love painting my nails. Like that's just, I just am who I am. Like, I don't want to interfere or cause trouble with anybody. I just want to be respected. Mm. Um, yeah. So what, what's some questions? <laughs> you actually brought up a lot of questions or you Oddly enough, you and I are often on the same wavelength, I feel. And so a lot of the things I wanted to bring up were things that you brought up, but I kind of wanted to dive a bit deeper. So kind of hearkening back to my last episode, I had, you know, Tommy and Tyler kind of clear up the misconceptions that a lot of people can have around being gay, that it's, you know, a lifestyle, it's a choice, it's something you can pick up or put down, like smoking cigarettes or any other choice. Yeah. Um, are there any misconceptions around being trans that you want to clear up? Sure. And I, I would also say that, like, smoking or other addictions aren't necessarily a choice. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a whole other issue, and I don't have an addiction, but I know people who do, and it's it's a coping mechanism when you don't have anything better in your life. But that's, that's a whole other topic. Um, but I, I say that because I've literally heard people compare it to. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a choice is like what you need for dinner if right. you have the freedom and the money to choose what you eat for dinner. Right. <laughs> like being trans is, it's just who you are. And I think a lot of the times people feel the need to defend their transness because you get questions like, well, when did you know? How do you know? 
It's like, well, how do you know you're a girl, Nicole? <laughs> and I'm not talking about what's in your pants. I'm talking about like just how you feel, how you speak to other people, what clothes you choose to wear, like the words you use, your vo- your vocal intonation. Mm. All of these things are just little pieces of you and what builds you to being you. But another thing is that like non-binary identities and transgender identities have been around since the dawn of time. Like you look back in any generation and there will have been such people. Um, Yet it's still so stigmatized and there's still such limited media coverage that if you live or grow up in a conservative environment and you don't have exposure to this kind of thing, you don't have the words to name it. You get like, for me, it was just, there's something wrong with me. I'm not that. I don't want to wear that dress. I feel terrible like this. <laughs> and when I was already being told I was wrong for existing, it was just, I just had this innate sense of this isn't something I can afford to admit. This isn't something I can afford to live as. <laughs> I mean, my mom referred to gay people as those people. She couldn't even say the word. <laughs> And she would attack me all the time, just being like, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you gay? And I'm like, no. And I, I'm asexual, and I didn't have the words for that either then. Right. But it's also, there's a, um, there's a great documentary called uh, Disclosure by Laverne Cox, a uh, transgender actress. But it just covers the whole topic of um, the portrayal of transgender people in media. And that's really the only exposure I had to trans people. And... When you see people being laughed at or treated as a mockery or being treated as disgusting and you're like, I don't feel like that. I'm not, I'm not a clown. I'm not like, I don't want to be dehumanized any further. I don't identify with that. Right. I'm just me. Luckily, I live in Austin, Texas, which is somewhat liberal. (laughs) I say somewhat because it is liberal for Texas. Yeah. You go elsewhere, they would not be considered the liberal. (laughs) But yeah, that's one major one. It's just, if you don't transition till later in life, like I did, I started transitioning when I was 27, 28. People are like, well, can you really be trans? <laughs> if you like, it took you all this time. Right. But at the same time, like, there's this whole issue with kids now. Um, and it's like, well, how does the, how did the kid know? And it's like, honestly, kids should just be, just let kids be kids. Like, they're not going through puberty at age five. Like you don't, you don't medicate kids at age five. You don't medicate them at seven or eight or nine or 10. (laughs) And when it comes to medications, you're not putting, you're not putting a kid on testosterone at their puberty. You're like, I mean, unless there's like an actual like hormonal issue and the kid has to, to like survive. Uh, Like there's hormone blockers, which, prevent puberty and also give that kid and their family a long time to be safe within their body to be safe socially and to make decisions as a family Mm -hmm. but it doesn't prevent anything like if someone's assigned female at birth goes on hormone blockers for a couple years and then decides well i am actually not trans they're fine they continue going through puberty they go off the blockers they're they live their life Mm -hmm. there's also um, a study that was done recently with 
the issue is there's so little research with trans people. Mm -hmm. um, I think this was only one university, and so it's limited in that aspect, but they did have hundreds of participants over, I don't know how many decades, it was a couple. Um, and the statistics were, like, astounding. It was about surgical regrets for transitioning, <laughs> and it was literally 100% success rate out of hundreds of people. <laughs> Nobody regretted their physical transition. <laughs> And I've even heard people who have detransitioned because that's another big argument, misconception. It's like, oh, well, it's a mistake. Now now these people are detransitioning. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard people who have detransitioned say, this was not a mistake. Yes, I have to detransition. I have to do medically medical things to go you know, back the opposite way now. And again, this is incredibly, incredibly rare. It's only given a voice because it's an example of being trans being a mistake or mm -hmm. something like that. But those people are still saying, no, this has given me a chance to learn about myself. I had the autonomy to make these choices about me and my body and my social life. And that's just, that's what it's about. Like, we just want to have the freedom to make our own choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something we definitely talked about before, too, is like, you know, just treat people like people like what harm is it to what harm is it to acknowledge someone's pronouns what harm is it to avoid asking people personal questions about like what surgeries they may or may not have had you know because again no one questions my straightness you know no one no one questions me about that and no one asks me like have you known your whole life that you were straight you know people just accept it but then when someone says that they're gay or that they're trans or that they're non-binary then come all the questions yeah and of course, some people genuinely just want to learn and, you know, they have no malintent behind those questions. But I think sometimes people realize like those questions can do more harm than good. And like what I talked about um, in the episode where I talked about, you know, our story, you know, I argued that I think some things just aren't for me to understand. I mean, you know, of course, I want to understand you as your friend, but like there are things that you hold close to your vest on your journey and I don't need to understand all of the ins and outs of your journey in order to be your friend, if that makes sense. Just like you don't need to understand all of the ins and outs of my journey to be my friend. We can just meet each other where we're at, you know. Um, how much people I how much I want people to understand has to do with how close I am to those people. Mm -hmm. I really my goal is not understanding. My goal is just respect. And I don't I, mean like respect as in look up to me. I literally meet it as in if i say use he and they when talking about me do that mm -hmm. like don't laugh at me like don't dehumanize me like right. it's i just want basic human rights mm -hmm. um i actually had a similar conversation with my sister it's interesting because nicole you and i i lived with you for part of my transition mm -hmm. um and even when i did it we've still been close and seen each other regularly my sister and i have lived in separate cities for years now and my sister's hilarious when i when i first came out to her because we always warn each other before we tell something to our mother just right. we know she's gonna blow up and we need to have each other's backs um so i called her and i said hey like warning i'm about to come out to mom she's like well finally we figured like something was up and i was like no no no, no i'm not gay i'm transgender and she was like oh that makes so much sense <laughs> 
And I didn't really think beyond that because at that point in time, that was pretty much the entirety of my understanding of the topic. Mm. It was just like, oh, I'm not a girl. I'm also not a boy. I'm just going to figure this out on my own. And I didn't have the answers, so I couldn't explain it to anybody. You know, it was between me and my therapist and my doctors, which is how it should be. Um, more recently, because I, I started transitioning when I was 27, I'm 35 now. Um, this past Christmas, I was talking with my sister and her boyfriend. Uh, her boyfriend who's also very religious and Christian, um, which I find an interesting dynamic because my sister's also like, she's not like as liberal as me, but she's she's pretty out there. Um, but she's also not Christian, and they get along fine. <laughs> Opposites attract. <laughs> well, what's interesting too, what I think works about that whole family unit, is that both the boyfriend and the mom are very religious. But they're not a fan of the church as an organization mm. because they see a lot of hate coming from that and a lot of like systemic and organized problems. Yeah. And they just kind of want the freedom to exist and respect each other, which is what I'm going for. Right. Anyways, I got off track. But I was talking about how my sister knew I was transgender, but she thought I was male. Mm. Um, her boyfriend was actually asking a lot of questions because he wanted to understand and that made me feel very seen because he was very respectful about it. He was very curious about it. He really took everything in. Um, you know, he wasn't rude at all. And my sister had never bothered to ask me those questions. And I realized then that that kind of bothered me because she's my sister. She's the only family I'm connected with. Everyone else I'm estranged from. Mm. And yet it's her boyfriend that's really bringing me into her family unit. And saying, I want to know about you so I can respect you better. Mm. Um, and I just, I thought that was very thoughtful. And I just, I felt seen, I felt respected, and I felt loved. Mm. Um, I know my sister loves me, but I kind of wish she was a bit more curious sometimes. Yeah. Whereas like, Nicole's seen it, we don't really have to talk about it. And if she has a question, she asks it. Um, and that's, you know, close friendship level or like where I was talking about like a family level. Um, my workplace is fantastic. My other workplaces have not necessarily been fantastic, but this one is. And it's just easy. It's a remote workplace. Most people put their pronouns in their bio, so I'm not singled out by doing so. Mm -hmm. um, no one really needs to question. Like, no one asks me if I'm transgender or, like, why I have a they in my pronoun and my bio. They just use it, and that's that. Um... And that's, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Just more acceptance. <laughs> more acceptance, more normalization. Like, I feel there's so much back and forth in politics right now. And, like, that's one of the things I struggle with just mentally. It's being dehumanized can be traumatic, especially when like, I'm worried about being able to keep hold of my medication. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that my birth certificate is going to be forcibly pushed back to my gender that I was assigned at birth. I'm worried that my driver's license will do that. And then if I get pulled over, what's the cop going to say when he sees that who I am doesn't look like and doesn't sound like the person on my driver's license? Right. It's, I'm worried about my rights when I... Like, I've gone to a couple of different protests over time, and I pretty much only go if it's with a large queer group. Because if something were to happen, 
I would feel much safer in that type of group because it would be filled with people who would understand and who automatically know to protect each other. It's like if I go to a pride event, I can relax. I can't do that in everyday life. Mm-hmm. I always have to be on guard. I always have to wonder, is someone going to call me out? Um, and that's the thing, too. When you're trans, there's no end to coming out. Every new doctor I see, I have to come out. Every job application, they want to know if I've had a former name or former identity. Mm-hmm. Every time I get a background check done, every time I, like, if I want a new credit card or, like, my credit score or it's... There, there's no end to it. And every single time you come out, there's a chance that person could harm you. Right. Or reject you or not or, take you seriously or make you feel less than. Or, yeah, or like that one time I, I was sick and I went to the doctor and it was like a CVS Minute Clinic. And this person didn't know how to like code my insurance because of like how my sickness was and how it didn't like align with my gender it was just this weird mess and so she ended up like calling my genitals like little kid names calling up her boss laughing at me and I was stuck there because I had to have medical attention and I couldn't leave I just started dissociating and I was just like I mean like it was just like you don't feel human you know the bare minimum I think we can do in this life is just treat people with respect (laughs) yeah but yet that can just be such a hard hurdle for people to overcome for some reason. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> There's also a, a second layer to it, um, which is trans misogyny. And you can't talk about being trans without talking about this and without talking about trans people of color. Because when you transition to become more masculine in any way, whether it's your name, your body, your clothing, your papers, whatever, you gain, like, social privilege. Like, if you're a woman listening to this, you'll understand what I say when I say, I don't get bothered at the grocery store anymore. Nobody talks to me when I'm in the checkout lane. I, like, when I transitioned all my papers and I was calling up my my car insurance to say like, hey, you need to correct this. Here's my court order. They said, congratulations, like your car rate's gone down. I was like, well, what changed? They're like, your gender. Mm. I was like, they're like, why are you happy about this? I'm like, why should I be happy about this? <laughs> like, nobody should. Anyways, if you go the other way, if you're transitioning to become more feminine, it's seen as something incredibly negative. And it is directly in opposition to transitioning to becoming more masculine. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's easier for people to understand transitioning to becoming more masculine. And you're kind of invisible in a way. Like, nobody talks about trans masked people. Mm-hmm. They talk about trans feminine people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is that it's harder to, like, pass. And I say pass that way because, like, passing is not, like, the end-all, be-all goal. It's not a compliment. Like, because it, it implies that there's something wrong with being trans. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's people you can look at and say, like, oh, that person's trans. But you shouldn't single them out because of it. Mm-hmm. And again, when you're talking about trans women, 
they're losing so much social privilege, not just because they're now dealing with misogyny that normal women face, um, or cisgender, I should say, cisgender women. Cisgender is not a slur. It literally just means not transgender. <laughs> um, that annoys me when people say it's a slur because it's literally like saying that straight is a slur. <laughs> and then I'm like, why are we having this argument if, like, like do you not want to be straight anymore? Like, do you, do you not want to be cisgender anymore? Like, I'm not insulting you. I'm just asked, like, anyways. <laughs> but when you're talking about trans women, these are people who have to make that hard choice of saying, I know, I know for a fact I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be insulted. I'm going to be looked down upon. Clothes aren't going to fit me. It's I'm going to struggle with every single part of this more so than my trans masculine and non-binary um, like fellow trans people. And the rate at which trans women, especially trans women of color, are murdered is crazy. Mm-hmm. There's... Like, I follow certain trans groups, and it doesn't matter which trans groups you follow, because there's always going to be trans women of color being murdered, and they're always going to show up on your feed, no matter what LGBT thing that you follow. You can't escape it. Mm. Like, there's been times where, like, for months on end, every single week, at least, there's, uh, there's at least one more murder. There is a time I went to a Black Lives Matter protest again with this massive queer group. I was terrified. It was like against the Capitol steps where met with cops in riot gear. Like they surrounded us with vehicles. They're like had drones like bombing us, not throwing bombs, but like dive bombing from the sky. Mm. And it was just, it was scary as shit. Yeah. And there is a trans woman of color. This is a black trans woman speaking. And I was one in awe because I had never seen a live black trans woman before like not in person and because i was terrified i was going to be there watching her die Mm -hmm. i wasn't worried about the white people around i wasn't worried about the trans masculine people or the non-binary people i was worried for her i mean i was scared for everybody but i was just like 90 percent convinced i was going to watch something terrible happen to her Mm -hmm. just because she existed right and it's like, I have privilege. I've gained privilege. I've also lost it in a certain way. But it just depends how people view me. Right. It's like, oh, is that person trans? Mm. But then they feel like, oh, it's a guy. Like, they just ignore me. Right. Yeah, I want to go back to, like, what you just said about how, you know, you were so afraid for, you know, this black trans activist and how... You know, you were afraid that you were going to watch something terrible happen to her just for existing. And I think that's a really powerful thing to kind of rest on, that members of the LGBTQ plus community get so much flack and so much hate and so much violence just for existing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not trying to, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, you're not trying to, like, impose like your will or your way or saying that this is how it has to be like you just want to be treated like everyone else and even what you said before like when it comes to respect you don't want respect in terms of like look up to me you want respect in terms of like just treat me like a human yeah (laughs) just treat me like you treat everyone else you don't have to look up to me you don't have to cater to me you don't have to whatever like just treat me the way that you want to treat everyone else and i think christians in particular 
have a really hard time with accepting people who are different. And so I kind of wanted to, you know, maybe shift gears a bit and kind of talk about like the religious side of things that you brought up. Um, Because again, like what we talked about before with Tommy and Tyler, we kind of honed in on the fact that like, as Christians, we believe that, you know, there is sin. And depending on which Christian you ask, sin is many different things. (laughs) The Bible literally translates it to missing the mark. So most Christians kind of adopt that mindset of sin is anything that misses the mark in terms of like what God has called us to be. Um, But for whatever reason, even though there are many, many sins listed in the Bible, like the Ten Commandments, right? Like don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't whatever. Christians, for some reason, just really hone in on homosexuality and make it seem like it is the worst sin of all time. (laughs) And so I guess my question to you is, like when you were, you know, growing up and all of that, if you want to touch on it, like what was your mom's kind of language around? I mean, I know you kind of hinted before that like she couldn't even say the word gay, she couldn't even whatever, but like were you taught that like, you know, homosexuals were going to hell? Like was that taught at church from what you remember like way back in the day when you actually went to church? Because you grew up in like the deep south. (laughs) Oh, I grew up in Austin, Texas, but, oh, yeah. but my mom is from Jackson, Mississippi, and she grew up Baptist. Right. So maybe if you wanted to unpack kind of that deep yeah. Southern culture that she had. My father is like, as far as he's learned, he is God. Okay. <laughs> Classic narcissist. Yeah, he will, anything to put him in the limelight, it doesn't matter what religion it is, what's the bad, like, now he's anti-trans because it's the popular thing and it's going to get him attention. Mm-hmm. Who knows if he actually believes it. Um, right. It's just in vogue. Yeah, for my mom, it's hard to say because she's just, my sister and I have very different viewpoints on my mom. My sister's angry at her because she says, if you had children, you should have made the choice to get better and do what you had to to get better so you can give your kids a good life. Mm. My viewpoint is, I just have to think of it as if she's too ill to make that choice. Because otherwise, how am I supposed to accept that she could never accept me? Mm-hmm. Um, we did go to church. My sister was born when I was six, and we went up to church regularly up until she that time she was born. So I did. I was in the church. I went to a Christian preschool. Um, actually, when I was I was the first class that went from like baby to toddler to graduating that that christian preschool it was connected to a church you went to church every day when you were in that preschool (laughs) um actually went back to teach there and i was teaching bible verses we were praying at lunch this is when i was 25 and i got kicked out because i wasn't christian Mm. which to me is kind of funny but also just you know another kick in the ass Mm -hmm. it's like, literally, this new director came in. She, like, interviewed every single person. And she was like, are you Christian? And I said, no. And I was like, this, like, I was already asked this when I was hired. Like, that nobody had an issue with it because I was following all of the guidelines, all of the curriculum. Right. And I wasn't, were, like, arguing against it or anything. Yeah, you were willing to help. You were willing to teach. You were mm-hmm. willing to, you weren't coming in with, like, ulterior motives of, like, I'm going to teach them about, like, how to shirk religion and <laughs> like Christianity is a major part of the United States to major mm. part of the world. Like I think people should know about it. 
Like, I think the Bible should be taught at least in a limited purview to everybody just because it helps you socially. <laughs> um, like, I think people should be able to make their own decisions about it. For sure. But, yeah, like, so this director was like, well, then will you convert? And it was like, no. <laughs> like, no, and it's not your job to make me. Right. And she literally backed me up into a corner. Not that conversation, a follow-up conversation. She literally backed me up into a corner and said, I just want to help. Like, will you let me save you? Mm. And I was like, no, I'm going to save myself. <laughs> like, nobody has ever saved me except right. for me. I've only been hurt. And... <laughs> And then, like, another time, like, it was funny enough, like, the parents threw a fit because they all loved me. And this person just, like, pissed off, like, all the teachers. <laughs> like By letting you go. By firing you. By firing me. But also, she ruffled a lot of feathers because it was only her views on Christianity that she wanted teachers to understand. Oh. Like, mm -hmm. there was a person who was Catholic, and she almost got fired. Mm -hmm. Because and she went to a different church than that one. Right. Heaven forbid. She. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, for real? But anyways... Nobody wanted to work for her anymore. She couldn't get anybody for summer school. And I, like, I was crying. Like, I loved those kids and those families. Mm. Um, like, she couldn't get anybody for summer school. She just came back to me later. She's like, hey, will you at least, like, teach summer school? <laughs> I was like, sure, I need the money. No, like, I don't want to abandon my kids. Yeah. And then, like, is the day the first session of summer school ended because they were like camps because these kids are they're toddlers they don't go to like summer school all day all summer mm. um she she like backed me up into a corner again in a dark room like as creepily as you possibly could and she said if you don't let me save you you can give me the keys and leave now mm. and i handed her the keys and i turned my back and i left and mm. i never stepped foot in a church again and i'm never going to yeah no, I don't blame you for that. And I think, you know, kind of like I talked about in the episode before last, where I kind of uncovered our story a bit more. I think a lot of Christians don't realize, and I kind of want to lead into a deeper conversation with this, but I think a lot of Christians don't realize that it's not beneficial to come against someone with a very different worldview than you with their own worldview, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of Christians try to impose their worldview on other people who don't share that, and they don't realize how counterproductive that is, mm -hmm. how that actually pushes people away rather than draws people in. Because rather than meeting people where you're at, where they're at, rather, you are kind of driving a wedge between you, essentially, like that director very clearly did, where she was like, if you don't let me do this, you can go. Well, also because it read to me as if it wasn't about God. It wasn't about religion. It was about her. Right. It was let her ego. Mm -hmm. I was like, you can't. You're not God. Even if I did convert, you don't have that capacity. Right. And Christians shouldn't even have that kind of attitude of like, we're the saviors of the world. You know, we, in fact, like most Christians, the reason why we believe in a savior is because we're called to recognize that we're not, <laughs> right? We're called to put our hope and our faith and our trust in God and realize that we are not the saviors of this world, that we can't mend the brokenhearted, that we can't fix the evil in this world, that there is someone who can. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of Christians, unfortunately, their ego kind of gets in the way, like that one director. And, and I think, think that's a lot of what I've run into, too. It's 
people making it about themselves rather than about their belief system. Mm. Um, unless they're just spouting that belief that I'm going to hell, in which in case I'm like, I'm burning already. Thank you. But it's there. there's so many things that you and I can talk about. We could talk about very deeply and we can both even have the same understanding and the same thoughts about things, only you're looking at it through a religious lens. There is a, just last night when I couldn't sleep, I was on TikTok. And is that, was it Stephen Colbert? Is that who that was? Yeah, Stephen Colbert and uh, I forget the other newscaster he was with. It's like the Silver Fox dude. Yeah, Andy something. I can't remember. I don't know. He's, he's, he's gay. He's got kids. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Very well put together. Yeah, super handsome guy. You know who we mean. <laughs> Silver Fox news guy. <laughs> but um, he was asking Stephen Colbert. I didn't even know Stephen Colbert was religious. But he was asking him. He said that like you're, you're quoted saying like the absolute worst thing that happened in your life. You've learned to be thankful for. And Steve Bear was like, yes, that's true. I have like learned to be thankful for God's punishments. And he went on to explain that like he doesn't want these bad things to happen. Like he wants them not to have happened. But he is grateful because he has learned to feel suffering in the way that, and that suffering is a very human state of existence and feeling. And he said that as he's grown to have more serious relationships with his family with his friends with his wife with his children he can love them more deeply and acknowledge however imperfectly their own suffering um because he's experienced it himself right and i think that's so true it's i mean especially like i have ptsd i have depression i have anxiety i've got a couple more that i'm not gonna talk about (laughs) and like i talked a little bit about the trauma of my past and I mean, it's a whole nother kind of trauma, like this constant, like you can't escape all the judgment I face being trans because it's everywhere. Like literally, I turn on the radio, it's on the radio, it's on the TV, it's on like the internet, it's it's TikTok, it's everywhere. And I mean, I'm not going to compare my suffering to other people's, I'm just saying I have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that is part of what makes me human, and I think that's part of what makes everyone human regardless of religion i do think that religion can give meaning to that for a lot of people yeah meaning to the suffering and trials of life but i also think that i also have meaning from it even though i'm not looking at it from a christian perspective right but like that's just one example yeah because we've been traded text about it where i was like well thank you for sharing this with me like this really resonated with me and you were like, yeah, I, I got a lot from it, too. You know, like, we were able to connect on that level, even though, like you just said, like, I was viewing it through, you know, my religious worldview, and you were viewing it through your worldview. But we were still able to, like, glean a lot of meaning from that really deep idea that they discussed. Yeah, there's also just the whole common sense, like, don't, don't be terrible. Yeah, like, we both have that same worldview of, like, treating people with kindness and and respect. And, yeah, certain things are just morally wrong, whether you believe in the Bible or not. Like, murder <laughs> is wrong. Whether you, you know, read it in the Bible or not, murder is wrong. You know, adultery is wrong, whether you read it in the Bible or not. So, you know, we also kind of, yeah, obviously share that worldview and that sense of morality. Um, I also think, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but... Like another, I guess, trend I'm noticing is that, especially with like the alt-right Christians, there's this 
like Christianity has become this like microcosm, mm. like the removal of texts, the removal of exposure to things like and it went on. It's it's narrowing and narrowing and narrowing this worldview. And I don't understand how you can claim to be Christian without exposure to things outside of that. Mm. Because I understand that it's okay to have doubts when you're faithful. For sure. But you should have access to have those doubts so that you can deepen your faith. Mm. If you've never been exposed to anything else, how are you supposed to... It's like it's like what I was talking about with the suffering. It's like without suffering, you can't truly enjoy your happiness. Right. Like without being exposed to other types of people and learning how to get along and learning how to put those Ten Commandments into practice, you're not living a very fulfilling experience of being Christian. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would argue that I think for all Christians, I think it is really important to question and to doubt and to have those moments where you decide, do I believe in this for me or do I believe in this because this was the way I was raised or the way I was taught? And you're right, if you're not allowed to explore anything differently and Christianity is all you know and all you were taught, then you're robbed of that exposure. You're robbed of that wrestling and that in turn, that wrestling can make your faith stronger or it can open you up to other paths of, you know, guidance through, through this world, whatever you want to call it, you know. Uh, What's uh, interesting is that's also kind of an analogy for being trans as, like, as a young child. <laughs> there is a, um, at that same preschool, the kids would play dress up and kids at that age, it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, they just want to express themselves and yeah, whatever they think is cool. Fun. Yeah. And... That little boy, like, statistically, he's most likely actually a boy and not trans. He's most likely cisgender and going to continue being cisgender as he grows up. Cisgender, again, meaning just not trans. Um, and yet, a parent walked by, thought, oh, that's super cute. I've got to tell the mom. Mm-hmm. The mom found out, had an absolute meltdown, talked to, like, the administrator. It was like... You know, how dare you allow this? We don't let him go down the girls' aisles in Target. We don't mm-hmm. let him look at pink. Mm-hmm. He is not allowed to sparkle anything. He is not allowed, like, how dare you let him wear a dress? Mm-hmm. Why to turn him into something else? Right. And I think that's another one of those misconceptions. It's like, we're grooming people mm-hmm. or grooming kids or not. It's, no, like, just like having outside exposure and doubts helps you deepen your own faith and make that choice that, no, you are Christian, like... A person who is a signed boy at birth puts on a dress as a two-year-old and says, ha-ha, fighting a dragon, like, just playing. That's just another affirmation that, like, hey, I've tried the dress on. It's not for me. It's not my go-to. Mm-hmm. But I've had the chance to experience it, and now I know, you know, not it. Right. It's it's not, like, it's just the same type of thing. It's like everybody should have exposure to the world around them so that they can make their own choices. Right. Because, yeah, I, I would argue that, yeah, it's like how do you know what you really truly believe if you're not allowed to choose amongst many different things to believe with or believe in, rather? Then, yeah, it's like how do, how do you really know? How do you really know if you truly believe in God if you weren't allowed the option to explore that maybe the, you know, 
maybe you don't have to believe in God, <laughs> you know, or, or like you said, with, you know, children wanting to express themselves in different ways. Yeah. If they're not allowed to even explore that, then how do they know? <laughs> well, you know, especially with kids, it's just, it's like you tell a kid they can't have candy, they don't want candy more. <laughs> like same with that little boy. It's like, I just know he's probably desperate to try on like nail polish or like play with a doll or something just because it's been forbidden. Right. Not because he wants to be a girl. Yeah. It's just like... Because kids are rebellious. Yeah. And they want to... And we're all rebellious and we all want to figure out our own way in this world. Like we said, like we... You know, if you limit someone's exposure to things that, of course, they're going to be curious. Of course, they're going to wonder what's on the other side if that's always hidden from them. Yeah. I mean, I I don't have kids myself, but I like... I know, like, I've been a teacher for eight years. I've taught... I mean, I taught martial arts to adults and to teenagers. I've taught teenagers in middle school i've taught kids to do this pre-k and especially teenagers like that whole rebellious like my parents think i'm terrible and obnoxious and mm-hmm. yes i am being obnoxious and rebellious right but i feel like that's also when i see a lot of christian parents really get scared because mm-hmm. they're like oh they're gonna step away it's like but if you don't give them that chance you're robbing them right like your kid's probably going to turn out just fine, but they're going to try new things for a little while. Right. And it may not end up being that they agree with you, but you should still be able to love them and to love them in with the lens of your own faith mm-hmm. because you have that right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of parents latch on like way too hard <laughs> instead of, yeah, just giving their kids the freedom to explore and trusting that their kids can make their own way in this world just like they did. Well, I think at least the understanding I got from my mom, who was always like, default, you're going to hell. Like, and I, I think, I mean, it makes sense. If you believe in hell as like a consequence, you're going to be terrified if you think your child's going there. Right. Like that is like, there's nothing worse on the planet than having your child suffer to think they're going to suffer for eternity. Like, of course you're going to be concerned. Right. But... At least my understanding of how Christianity works is that everybody sins, everybody makes mistakes, and that, like, kind of the basis of Christianity is that you can be forgiven for those mistakes because you're imperfect, because you're mm-hmm. not God. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, it's like, even if you, even if you do sin, yeah, you're exactly right. Even if you do sin, and not even if you do sin, <laughs> you know, Christians believe that, like, so many things are a sin, right? And so, yeah, we all, you know, somewhere in, like, Romans... It says, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And a lot of Christians like to quote that to make them feel better about themselves of like, oh, I'm a sinner and it's fine. We're all sinners. But they can't extend, you know, that same grace (laughs) to other people. And they become terrified of other people falling off the path. And they become terrified of other people going to hell. (laughs) What's what's that that book we all had to read going into high school, Animal Farm? (laughs) What's that one quote that's always famous? It's like, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I haven't read that so long ago. <laughs> so long ago. But it was something like the cows have this right, but like the ducks have that right more. Oh, yeah. It was like there was like a hierarchy. There was a, there was a hierarchy, but it was all based around the idea that you all had the same right. I think it was like some animals are better, but some animals are best. It was like something like it was, that. It was something like that. Some like hierarchy where it's like. Rules for thee, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, but like under the pretense that everybody was on even ground. <laughs> and that's what I that's what I view a lot when I see Christianity, especially when it comes down to that whole like 
love or like hate the sin, not the sinner. Mm-hmm. It's like we're both humans, therefore we both sin equally. Right. Like, yeah, like one neither of us are murderers. If one of us is a murderer, that might tip the scale a little bit. <laughs> but But if we're just have, both flawed humans. Like we like regardless of whether both of us, neither of us, or one of us is Christian, based on my understanding of Christianity, we should both have equal opportunity to be forgiven because we can make that choice down the line. 100%. Yeah, I think that's really well said. That's where we're going to leave it for today. Like I mentioned, next week, the second part of this episode will be uploaded and you'll definitely want to tune in to hear the conclusion, to hear Logan's thoughts on sin as a non-Christian, to hear his thoughts on what makes us human, what we have in common, and how people can better love one another, especially when it comes to Christians loving non-Christians or straight people loving people in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I think It is a very rich conversation, and I am so excited for you to hear the rest of it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and until next time.